The Cauldron Podcast by Aberavon Rugby Club. Produced by Buffoon Media. Welcome to another edition of the Cauldron Podcast. I'm here today with Rowan Jenkins, current Aberavon player who's played 255 games for Aberavon, scored 14 tries. Nathan Brown, 135 appearances for the club, 15 tries. And Richard Thomas, 172 games, scoring 61 tries. Bit of a try-scoring machine, that one. A new Dickie. Hey, Dickie, let's get straight into it, mate. What's your favourite try you scored for Aberavon? Oh, uh, well, Chris, there's been, there's, been, there's been so many. No, um, <laughs> I, uh, I'd probably say my first one. It was in a pre-season game against Kamal and Quinns. Yeah, I'd probably say that. Yeah. No, I didn't really score any Give important ones. Uh, I didn't re- I, I didn't really score important other any other important ones. Uh, it was the one season where myself and Carter as well were tied on the tri count and uh, we were playing Cardiff in the last game of the season and Darren Ryan was playing for Cardiff and he threw an interception pass and I caught there and as I'm running Carter's shouting in the background someone <laughs> someone tackle him he's going mad but uh, yeah, that, that's the only other one that uh, it's probably the only year the Carter didn't get a top try scorer but uh, hey ho he, he, he did score a few but yeah those are the two that stick out really nothing uh, nothing major if uh... You said that Carter was shouting stuff to you. What other stuff would get shouted to you in, 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 on a game day from anyone? Nothing. Nothing. Anyone? Really. It was all white. It was all white noise most of the time. It was uh, <laughs> expletives from the gantry. But uh, yeah, that's what it. That's what it. Or, 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 or my favourite captain just shouting random stuff, swanky, just like random stuff, you know. But uh, I didn't take much notice of it. But there we are. Yeah. That's fair enough. As we're sort of talking about tries then quickly, uh, Brownie, what, any memorable tries out of the um, 15 that you scored? Um, I remember scoring one up in uh, at home, the Cross Keys. We were losing 36 nil at half time. We had a roast and I come off the bench. Uh, overlaps, uh, Carter was outside me, threw a lovely little dummy there. And then went under the post then, 36-7, we won 42-36. It was a uh, turn the table, as like. So it was a good moment in my career, that one. I think might as well finish with you, mate. You've scored some corkers in you. You've ran some halfway halfway line tries in. Yeah, I was going to say, you know, uh, those are the ones that probably uh, stick out for me. Um, I think it's I think the interception, uh, Cardiff away, um, could quite easily be an offside. I couldn't believe I caught it. And then uh, just because the chicken legs then run it in. And some people have branded Good you one. as um, the best player in the Premiership, haven't they? Um, uh, yeah, it's beauties in the eye of the beholder, Chris. Um, yeah, yeah. <laughs> who am I to complain? Come on, leaps and bounds. Well, listen, right, boys, I've got you all together because I wanted to speak about the British and Irish Cup games. Um, last month, the month of May, obviously passed us due to COVID, and Abraham was supposed to be playing in the, the new Scottish tournament um, with them. So it basically brought back some memories of those British and Irish Cup games. So... Yeah, so I, I was wondering if you can get into that pretty much. Anything that stands out in your mind? Because I know the three of you were quite integral to most of those games for the British Irish Cup. So just wanted to share some memories, really. And I'll probably start you off with that game against Rotherham away as, as, a, as a talking point. So I think, Brownie, you were captain there, mate. So 
Oh yeah, it was um, well, obviously a huge privilege to travel up the Rotherham with the boys. Um, I remember getting kegged in the uh, services by Gareth Harvey. I was a good man. To be honest, it was a wild old day. Like, it's mad what can happen in 12 hours. Like, you know what I mean? You catch your butts up and hey, you're all having a laugh and a joke. Ended up getting you know, all serious and I wound up for the game. Turned out, went out on the pitch in. Uh, well, a massive rather than like. So first scrum went down. You know, good crowd. Everyone travelled up. Support was amazing as usual. But, um, uh, well, the first scrum, they give me the old... Uh, we weren't expecting this, like, but they went... Oh, are you ready? Yes! And I was the full eight guy. And he's a fully grown man now, massive man, like, you know, the biggest man you'll ever meet. And we, all eight of us just burst out laughing, like, and it was so unprofessional, that's like, to be honest. That's why I was captain, obviously, but we, we just laughed, and then we got minced then, steamrolled, two penalty tries. And then, uh, I think it was it, Craig Evans kept kicking the ball in the number eight, Lawrence Pierce, where I got his name buried in my head. Because he flattened me like about 25 times. I remember Dickie Teen Star fishing into the stands. <laughs> what a wild days, eh? Brilliant. Yeah, and just, picking up, up, you know, just picking up, Frank, on uh, you mentioning that we were integral members of the British and Irish Cup squad. That means basically that's this is when the dirt trackers were formed. So Rowan at the time was very young. So he wasn't like the first choice supremo. So yeah, myself and Brownie basically were pack leader and captain of the trackers. So yeah, Rotherham away. <laughs> Plymouth away in a Friday night, you know, travel up, travel back, get 70 points, come home. That was like, that was our bread and butter, wasn't it, Brown? But uh, yeah, Rotherham <laughs> away was a grim day. And then we left the Barapas four in the morning, like Brownie said. Harvey kegged about four people in the services by Lee Delamere. And then, uh, yeah, just we played the game. They were, yeah, like Brownie, they were huge. They were absolutely massive. And they had this number eight on loan from Leicester. I think that's his name, Lauren something. And yeah, Crags kept on kicking this kickoff deep to the left-hand side to the six-foot-five-inch 19-stone monster. He, he had about a 40-yard run up on me. I did it. I think it was, uh, it was either a double or a triple, triple backward roly-poly. And then he ran over Bamsey and scored. And we were all just like, what's going on? What is wow. going on? Crags, please stop kicking the ball to this bloke. He is he's <laughs> running absolute riot. But uh, yeah, yeah, you know, good experiences. At the time, you're a bit uh, down about it. But now they're just good... good uh, Good laughable stories, really. But uh, yeah, did you play that game, Rob? Yeah, yeah. Well, the first part of that game, obviously, Chalky started, didn't he? And I remember when I had to swap for him. Eventually, he's uh, he's coming off tamping because um, obviously Gary had lost his head because the scrum was going back all the time, and he had he's obviously he vouches he's he's gone to throw one through because he's really had enough and he's a chalky on the nose himself. So <laughs> so. <laughs> So the scrum's half gone up and Chalky hasn't realised till the end that he's been hit in the nose by Gary yet. It's not even from the other player. So that was like the main, like the main event. Obviously, the pace you had off the eight rich, I was watching that from the sidelines. And it was one of those games where I went to the play and I wanted to impress. But at the same time, I was thinking, oh my God, what can I do when I get on? This, I, this yeah. I think at the time, they were more, most a lot of the boys would have been full-time with them. Obviously, we took most of the, the, the trackers up, so you know we weren't as strong as what we were. We were probably out to the competition, you know. I think, and then two weeks later, then I think we played Leeds, didn't we? Home and away again. And, uh, I think I think some of the boys they were they weren't used to the bus trips. So obviously, we'd gone to the services and the keg and all that, and it sort of turned into a bit of a school trip then. So yeah. we all we all just got to change your room. Sorry, sorry to interrupt. Go on, there. Uh, just, I guess, have, 
bit of context around uh, the dirt tracker. So I know you alluded to a little bit of them. So just explain really what the dirt trackers are. So uh, the dirt, the dirt trackers were invented in the, uh, I think it was the 2008-2009 season, maybe before Brownie and uh, Rowan. Swanky has never, ever played for dirt trackers because he only played home games <laughs> on a Saturday. So anything midweek or away from home, Swank didn't play. So the dirt trackers, Jamie Davis formed them. It was basically uh, we were, uh, one season. I think we had nine games left to play in like three weeks. So you basically had like the Lions tour. You had a Saturday team and the Wednesday team. And Kingy, Kingy, Kingy told Kingy told like Jamie and Trigger would have been in there. Me just basically right boys. You know we got Ponderpool away next Wednesday, and you boys are going dirt tracking. So we just took up the name of the dirt trackers. And it was basically Ponderpool away on a Wednesday. Ebbovale away on a Friday night, Bedwas away on a Sunday afternoon. It was like all the games that no one else really wanted to play. And uh, yeah, but I, I remember, I remember we did too well. So all the away games, like Abraham, you know, back then we, we you know, we yeah. we go home on away and, and have some good results. But yeah, it was basically just a thing. It was a, it was a laugh that Jamie, Jamie, uh, Jamie Davis brought up. But um, yeah, and it was all the British Irish Cup games are all his mixtures really of. The trackers, sometimes Ospreys boys and whoever you went to have a trip away or go on tour. But yeah, but uh, all good times, good times. Going back to that uh, yeah. Rotherham game, there was a guy. I was looking at the um, the team sheet, and there was a guy in the second row called Tegan Price. Now, I can't remember Tegan Price, but anyone else remember him or or or, or even yeah. step in the shoes of Tegan Price and think, what the hell has he got himself into? <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I can't remember Tegan Price. I can't. I can't. Got him wrong here. I, I can't. Ugh. Yeah, he might. Know, is he South African? Yes, that's him. He come train university. Yeah. Who did he play for? For us or for them? For us in the second row with Gary. <laughs> yeah. 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 yeah exactly. That's 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 a prime example of a dirt tracker second row pairing. So you had Gary. And then basically phoning <laughs> clubs round who fancies coming to Rotherham on Saturday. You know, it's a great opportunity, great challenge for some boys, and then other boys, you know, take take it and then think to themselves on the bus on the way home. I should have just said no. With, with the game itself, yeah, like physic physically, you know what I mean, Rotherham, it's, it's ridiculous. Yeah, the physicality of the game. You know, some of the builder in Gerrard, you know what I mean? Lee Pennell was here, I remember him coming on. You know, the, some of them boys could match him physically, but for, for us boys, we were not physically fit enough to match them boys. We were getting battered, like, do you mean I was getting carried off? I think it was 70 minutes. I couldn't, I had no arms, no fingers, no legs. I didn't have nothing left. Like, I had nothing in my body. But, um, well, probably, but so the only boys thing... played a lot of games against um, Munster. So they, they were big games, right? And they, they had a lot of big names playing for them. So any memories that you want to share on, on those type of games, Ulster away, Munster away? Brownie, yeah, do you remember we were in Tralee and uh, we had the, like, the purple kit out in Tralee. Um, obviously, we had Munster in the middle of nowhere. There was like, some farm field or something. And uh, to be fair, they, they had a few names. And uh, Morgan Allen was on a stormer for us. And then uh, Peter Stringer came on, didn't he? And uh, Aye, that's all we, I remember. We, he was there, didn't he? The, yeah, the boys were up for him or whatever. And... and and uh, Peter Stringer must have done something, or yeah, he didn't do something very well, and you just run over to him and said, you were much faster on my Xbox, mate. And then you just, <laughs> just belted it off, then. You just, oh, just belted it off, you didn't know what to say to yeah. him, you just looking at you. 
you know, I think I, I think if you look at the results right after you sent them through, I think you know, at home, even against like Munster, London Welsh, you know, um any of the Scottish sides at home and even Scottish sides away, we, we you know, we, we did okay, we did well. But I think I, I listened to the podcast last week with Andrew and uh he was going on about Ulster, but we were yes, were any of you boys in Ulster? Bro, yeah. you no. Yeah, so I was at the so Stella. You wouldn't have been there, no, because obviously it was an away no. game. And um, yeah, you wouldn't have been there. So I put Brownie, Brownie would have been no. there. And I remember <laughs> I remember back then, you only used to play either home or away. So we drew Ulster and we were just praying to get Ulster away just so then it was basically a mini tour. Wasn't it? And we went, we went on a Friday morning, loads of supporters went. We played in Ravenhill on the Friday night, but we didn't come home until Sunday. So then the Saturday was just. Uh, I just had a day. Well, it was Buddha Stag, basically, wasn't it? It was Buddha Stag. But we happened to be playing a British Irish Cup game against Ulster. And like Andrew said, I, I think they needed to score something like five or six tries to qualify or something stupid. Because they, them, they drew with Clashy or, or whatever. And they went absolutely full tilt. They picked full strength. They had some Ireland internationals playing. They, and we were literally, well, 62-0 and it was close. That was, a clo- that was a close game for us. Because I think they blew a few tries. Like Andrew said, we had one try disallowed. Uh, it was, uh, but it was a great weekend. It was our weekend, you know. But uh, anyway, yeah. Brownie, Brownie, talk Not us it. through the um, some stories around uh, when Dan Baker played for us from the Ospreys. <laughs> I know you've got. Well, shared a room with Baker. I've been. Um, I think it was uh, well Scotland. We shared a room. He's a lovely guy, Dan. Fair Gala, that's right, day. And um, you know he's a great guy. Got on with him well, like it. But when you're sharing rooms, like you gotta have a bit of a bit of a laugh. And I like to have a cut to the boys, you know. You know, I remember sharing a room with Evan Hardley up in Leeds once, and uh, you know, he's just naked, cutting up all. You know, it's just brilliant, like it's what the boys doing it. <laughs> but um, we um, I went with Dan Baker, like, and I was just winding him up, like, just trying to dive in his bed, tackle him, and all that. And he's like, "Rowdy, I don't know what happens in Tondy, boy, but uh, it don't happen down with me." <laughs> And uh, yeah, we were up in Gala, and I never forget playing um, Friday night. I think I was as well. We tra- do we fly up? Do we fly to Gala? Who was with us? Yeah, we sent we, now. yeah, we we flew up on a Friday, played Friday night, and flew home on the Saturday. Yeah, yeah, or maybe it's Sunday. Good I don't know. Two nights, I can't remember. Yeah, my dad two nights. Eh? I don't know if yeah. JP got us kicked out of uh, Edinburgh, but um, yeah. So basically, like I was on the flat one, when I said all the boys are smashing Baker up the middle because he's about nineteen stone. He played the Ospreys animal of a block, right? But um, I, I just spotted this gap midfield. I said to him, boys, what Miss Baker now? Flat one to the brown dog. I'll smash our line straight for the middle. Rich, you probably remember my words, son. Yeah, it hit me flat yeah. and hard smut. It <laughs> me flat and hard smut. On I'm going through our gap, and uh, yeah, the four <laughs> obviously went on Baker, thinking. They're not going to hit that bag of wind outside him, are they? Next way, Brownie's through a gap, running in quicksand, and then uh, he got tackled about 10 yards after the gap. <laughs> <laughs> no, but I remember that trip. I remember because it was the um, it was the year that we had to qualify. As a club, we had to qualify to go to the British and Irish Cup. Yeah. So we'd beaten Swansea and Neath, maybe, or Swansea and Bridgen. So basically all the young Ospreys boys got sent then to Aberavon. But it was it was a funny dynamic because they'd all been playing for Neath, uh, Bridgen and Swansea. But yeah. uh, they were all quite young at the time. You had like Sam Davis, Nicky Smith, Nicky Thomas, Dan Baker. Yeah. They, 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 weren't, they weren't names in the game at the time. They were probably 19, 20, you know. And uh, I remember being on the bus and uh, it was like calling up the room, rooms. And so you had, right, Nathan Brown, Dan Baker. And he just all he could hear was, 
get a kettle on baker boy and then broke <laughs> and then yeah he came down he came down the food then that night or the, the morning after saying oh it gets full brown he's pushing his bed into mine he doesn't want to wear clothes <laughs> but uh you know it's all a learning curve for him he went on the great things then brown he had to room with you and he had a couple of welsh caps so you know he's uh he come on leaps and bounds Two right back, and I'll be honest, like with the game itself, you know, I I found when we when we joined together, like I with some of the youngsters from the Osprey Academy, it become more competitive as a team. When we had, yeah. um, you know, obviously we had a ch- chance of winning the league or coming in the top half of the league, tended to be the boys who weren't quite on the fringes of our Aberdeen squad were going up to these games. And, and then we were just getting boys in from local clubs on duel and then not being able to compete, losing 60, 70 nil. But when we were in those games, I don't remember getting stuffed one side. You know what I mean? We were losing, well, we beat Gala twice. I mean, we obviously um, nearly beat, we beat, yeah. nearly beat Melrose, you know, competed with Leeds. Yeah. So it was, um, you know. No, there was one, mate. Good team. Bristol. Bristol. Oh, 78 nil. Oh, yeah. Worst thing that ever happened, that was, because the home game, it was close, and then there was a hole in the pitch. So, you know, That's I think the thinking, oh, no, 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 we're not happy with that. We want to bring them down again. Probably because of gate money. The players were thinking, no. Bristol were obviously really pissed off. So then they ended up coming down on a Tuesday night full tilt. And I kid you not, <laughs> it was, was 20 nil after about seven minutes. It was just absolutely raining yeah, and dry. I think it was, it was getting like point a minute, wasn't it? Yeah, it was, it yeah. was mad. Absolutely mad. They had, you know, they had... Well, they obviously they talk, uh, they'd either just been relegated or they were they were in the playoff. You know, they had Nicky Robinson at ten, Lemmy on the wing, Van Dell on the wing. You know, they had they were full full noise and yeah, we had a, we had the trackers out on a Tuesday night in Aberavon, I remember it. Yeah, I, I think but, I think um, that night as well. I, I think Jamie was struggling when he literally just finished his shift, quick arm sandwich in the shop on the way. I think he literally just swallowed it as you were kicking off, and then you had Nicky Robinson <laughs> and who been. Feet up all day in the oh. tower, probably. They'd stayed and the, they'd probably stayed in the towers the night before, and they'd been in the jacuzzi all day yeah, relaxing. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And the boys just come off twelve hours in the works. Boys, I just want to yeah. jump in there as well. Just, just think about your general memories. I know Rowan's still playing, but Brownie, you know what? What do you, you know, what what, what was your best memories at Aberavon? And then Dickie, be the same question for you. So, so Brownie, go first. Your best memory. Of Aberavon, not the BNI Cup franchise, yeah, just Aberavon in general? In general, mate, in general. Um, in general, like, to be honest, um, having a good cup run, you know, I remember playing in the semi-final against uh, Ponapreeth in the Swale Cup semi-final. That was a bit, to be honest, it was a big, you know, opportunity for me to have a gallop. We did get, you know, stuff pretty much in the semi. It was a bit disappointed on the day, but the occasion itself was massive for me. Um, and also when I started, yeah, the first year I started, I remember being 23rd man for uh, the Swede Cup final that we lost up in the Millennium Stadium, like, you know, so that was a good experience for me as well, the first year I signed for Abraham, and, you know, really enjoyed that. Um, My obviously, biggest memory uh, you, Brody, biggest... Was, was when you played against Pont de Prix up in Sardis Road, and uh, you were quite, you, you used to um, commentate a lot throughout the game. I think Sweeney... Um, I can't. I can't remember the other player. Just cut you in half. Totally cut you in half. And I remember you saying, "Oh, Dylan Lewis." Good, it's done. 
Oh, but 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 another few. I, I just got to say, Mike. Like I remember Rodney Jones smashed me in Clonetley. I run flat out as hard as I could at him, and he just dropped. You know when they when they crack in players, he tackle you ridiculously. They just smash you up in the air, and I done three sixty, <laughs> and I went. Fair play, you said I was about there, like, and I was buckled, like, two knees were buckled, like, a walk, like, he was just laughing, he said, God, you're afraid, you are, but... Dickie, what about you? Yeah, I mean, oh, you know, from the first moment I went to Abraham, I think I was there probably, I was there before the three of you, obviously, um, but, um, uh, I, I, and left not that long ago, but the, the club is, you know, it, it, it's, it'll always have... You know, I always have a soft spot for the club. It is my club. Always looking at results, always keeping in touch with the boys. But, you know, yeah, looking back, and this lockdown, I think, has made a lot of people get quite nostalgic and looking back at memories and things like that, you know? Yeah, Reading programmes, looking at old photos, crying, um, remembering the good times. Uh, <laughs> but, yeah, I mean, you know, but I quite enjoy the things where you're looking back and looking at old programmes and looking at the teams. I think, I think there was one on Facebook the other day, Swank. I think you might have put it on. You know, when you're looking at both the squads, you, you've got James King, Tip Brick, Ashley Beck, Ben John, Ryan Bevington, Reese Webb, Gareth Davis, Scott Williams. There must have been about 11, 12 Welsh internationals playing, you know, and, and, and that's, that's, you know, that, that's one of the, the great memories you've got of playing with, with quality, quality players who went on. But then also, the, 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 the group we had for years was such a tight group. We, you know, we were all mates and... Uh, yeah, like things like the British and Irish Cup were like were like treats for me. They were like mini tours during the season, and they were just yeah. great times. But uh, yeah, like Brownie alluded to some of the semi-finals, you know, quite close the Liberty Stadium against Clashy, where we were winning half time. Swank, remember Carter scored a trick the first half, and they came back. It's games like that, but you just wish you just add that little bit more, and you could wish you could do it again. And um, yeah, but you know, I remember yeah. some fond memories again of playing at home. Like Brownie was on about cross keys. I remember the game. You know, we, we'd always concede first at home. We'd never be, we'd never lead. We'd always concede first and then come back. You know, and sometimes the comebacks would be huge. And uh, it's games like that, really, that uh, that, that you remember. And um, yeah, it's just yeah, it's, it's nice to look back, isn't it? And uh, remember the good times, as they say. You know, and 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 one of the best memories of you, Dicky, was um, I think we were in a cup game against Whitland or Narbeth, was it? And we had oh, a yes. play. <laughs> uh, you went down. You, well, basically, we all thought we, you broke your neck, didn't you? The yeah. Basically, basically, I did a face plant in the mud in Narbeth. And uh, <laughs> Shenko, Shenko was playing for them, wasn't he? And he, and, he, and he was in my ear saying, stay down, I think you've broken your neck. And I was lying face down in the mud in Whitland thinking, <laughs> oh, what's going on here? What's going on here? And then I thought, I said, oh, he's just taking a piss. So I just went and stood up, carried <laughs> on. Um, score two tries, but then after the game, and Swank is you know he starting it all like oh I can't believe, can't believe Dicky broke his neck, come back like you know Messiah and all this. But yeah. I'd they were the other stretcher. The stretcher was on. They, they, they brought everything. they brought the stretcher on, but obviously I stood up. I didn't go off on the stretcher, you know. But uh, yeah, they called the ambulance, but they, the ambulance were on its way. <laughs> yes, yeah. I'm telling you, Richard yes. Hook was, was was flying it. <laughs> Steve Jones playing now. Um, Rowan, I know this might be a bit of a difficult question for you because you're still playing <coughs> the club. But what yeah. have you noticed around the, the change in Aberavon over the years? I think you've been there, I think, 10 years. But, you know, with players like Dick yeah, and Brownie leaving. Um... 
I, I think picking up on what, on what Richard said, really, I, like when I when I first came to the club, obviously, uh, you know, Richard had a lot of influence into that, to be honest with you, because he was at the club when I was asked to go there. So, um, obviously, Rich, Rich um, put a lot into me about going to the club. Um, but I remember uh, before a game once, uh, Tony Edwards was warming up next to me. And um, he probably admit this, he was, uh, he, he was doing his stretch and he could hardly touch his toes, I think. He, he, was, uh, he was quite tired. And he just got up and said, uh, God, this, this team's changed, you know. He said, uh, you know, all the boys they started with are gone now. And like, I think what Rich says about reflecting, you know, like when you look back, you, you don't realise like how much uh, like, a, like a team can change and like obviously leaders that were there before are no longer there. And you, and you don't really realise uh, till it happens. Like Buddha, for example, I remember like the first summer, he'd, he'd be like, oh, how old you, mate? And like, you'd say, like, oh, like you're age 18 or whatever. And he'd be like, oh, still, still a pup, man, still a pup. And, uh, you know, you're sort of having those conversations yourselves and over the last couple of seasons where I'm talking to boys who are like 17, 18 coming in now. And it's, uh, it, just makes, it just makes me understand now, like when we do get back going now, just to appreciate the moments a lot more. It's, uh, yeah. <clears throat> it's been big, big reflector this time. I think we spoke about it a little bit, but Brownie, uh, what, halfway through your Aberavon career, name the three people that consistently were sitting at the back of the bus on away trips. So who? So we always talk about the right people on the bus, the, the dynamics, dynamics on the bus. Who were the three people at the back of the bus for you? Oh, it was, well, Lee Perel was always up there. Standard Perel, isn't it? Um, and Ian Davis is a good laugh. Actually, he's always at the back, causing me in. Those are like JTR started obviously when he t signed as well, like he was at the back, through the loose cannons. The thing is, you've got to be at the back to see what's going on in front of you, you know what I mean? You don't want to be looking back, right? And you've got to, be, got to get in the shenanigans, right? So, I've got a few party buses on the way back from trips away, geez, some wild ones, like good trips. And like you said, they're the memories for the boys, like, do you know what I mean? Youngsters coming into a serious environment when you think it's all serious, and especially when you're 16, 17, 18, you're thinking you've got to impress and stuff like that. But then when you get on the bus with the boys, everyone's the same, and that's what's good about rugby, isn't it? Everyone's in here for the same thing, to enjoy it, have a good crack, meet new people. Obviously, it's all about playing and winning things, but, you know, Abraham, in fairness, like, he picks the right type of player. Like, you know, I know Jason here goes on about it a lot. Like, and in fairness, it is... You know, tribute to Abraham, really. The, the types of players they bring in are all top boys. Like, you know what I mean? I've never really, well, one or two uh, beauties from Flanagan, but apart from that, he's been all right. Dickie, what about you, mate? What's your memories back of the bus? Who, who are the key oh, men? Back, so, when I, I think when I first uh, signed for Abraham, I was, yeah, 19. So basically, the back of the bus was middle of the back seat. You had George. So Richard Morris is the middle of the back seat. There's no <laughs> ifs, buts, maybes. He's there. And then to his left was usually Git. And then it would depend then if Git used to bring his butler or not. He would be then on George's right. But uh, <laughs> no, he'd usually have Fucky be there, Mike Harris. So Buddha be hanging around, Chalky be there. You know, it's, uh, basically you have to play in the, in the pack to sit in the back. Myself, Jamie, Bamsey, Carter. No, we'd be sort of middle of the bus. Never ever get anyone near the back seat. Never ever. But, uh, and the back seat then was basically talking about the boys would be talking about what they did in work, drink Lucas in on the way up, and then always bowl on the way home. Shocking. <laughs> 
Well, boys, I don't think uh, we're going to be have enough time or I don't think this is the right place to start talking about British and Irish Cup um, nights out, uh, unless there's any stories that you can you can share with with us from a British and Irish Cup on a night out at all. I don't think there probably is, but no. should we pass on that one? That's all with the uh, rest of the trunk. No, <laughs> yeah. Stella, Stella's yeah, but... teaching now when he's married with a kid, so no, I can't. I can't go Let's definitely pass now. Right, okay, so on the cold one, we do a couple of segments, so I'm going to go to the broom room. The broom room. What this is, uh, it's about basically a pet hate of yours and it's something that you just want to chuck away and, and get rid of, or it could be something that you, you think that should be, that needs more of it in, in life, etc. So I'll share you some of mine, which I won't get into much. All of a sudden, obviously, due to COVID, I'm a big big deal with parliament, parliament etc. There's a lot of online politicians created. Uh, and I just wish they would um, just, just wrap up, be quiet and just keep their opinions to themselves. And that's about it. So, Dickie, what about you? So, back yeah, in the broom room, I, uh, yeah, I agree with you, Frank. Online politicians. I, yeah, online politicians. Yeah, you know, social media politic, politicians. Actually, surprisingly, Brownie is running for a member of parliament of Tom Bieber, sounds like, because he's got an opinion on everything these days on Twitter. But uh, <laughs> he's, got he's, got he's got a massive following. But yeah, so I'm, yeah, I'll agree with you there. Uh, online politicians, uh, people who've got an opinion, and it's just like it's an opinion to create a reaction. So Katie, Hop Katie Hopkins, for example, yeah, just a vulgar, vile opinion. And it's just trying to remain relevant, you know. And uh, another thing, though, is is I've been thinking about this oh, actually since you asked about is like being offended. So the climate we know in is everyone takes offence to whatever you say. So you can't you can't you can't literally say anything. But so people just need to sometimes think, calm down, you know. Don't bite people's heads off. Don't be so politically correct, you know. Obviously, there's a line, but. Uh, yeah, just this uh, this 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 rapid response of anger and, and questioning and oh you can't say that you can't say this you can't say that yeah it's just the world's gone mad the world is in a Jeez. mad mad place at the minute. So what are you chucking in the broom room, Rich? In the broom room, I will chuck um, taking offence and people like Katie Hopkins. Wow, interesting, mate. Good words. Okay, welcome to. Joe Thomas Reeves, the current captain of Aberavon RC. Joe, for charity, is going to shave off his long hair, which I think he's had since he was 13. He yeah. is raising money for Neath Patalbert Mind, which is a mental health uh, charity, which are doing wonderful things at the moment. And it's very, very um, important, obviously, during the time with COVID, etc. So, Joe, first of all, excellent, excellent uh, thing that you're doing with your hair. So, how are you feeling? Oh yeah, I, I, when I approached you with it, I thought, oh yeah, great idea. Uh, but uh, a couple of wake, uh, a couple of early mornings, waking up thinking, oh god, it's coming off. <laughs> I've had it since I was thirteen, so it's a big thing. But I was Why thinking, if we if we can shave it off and collect it, I see Mark and Jason upset now and then when they see my <laughs> hair flowing through the streets. So we could donate it as a wig to them. We so we could do that. <laughs> Definitely, and we've put a date on this. Uh, we we uh, the shave day is the third of July. Is that right? Yes, yes, yeah, third oh, third right. of July. We just need to find someone to uh, cut it. 
Yeah, I mean, <laughs> we'll, um, we'll have to get Alfie to do it. Yeah, yeah Alfie. my little brother. He, yeah, yeah. <laughs> he's nominated himself, but uh, I don't trust him. He'll take an ear or something. <laughs> Joe, we, Joe, we'd just be talking about the British and Irish Cup with the boys here. Uh, what was your memories really with the British and Irish Cup? Oh, I think I thought it was good, good for the clubs, uh, the British and Irish Cup, just to just to travel over to England and everything. But uh, yeah, it was enjoyable, enjoyable. I can't, to be honest, I can't remember much. <laughs> <laughs> Dicky, you would have played with probably JTR when he was just coming through. I think uh, when he was a youngster, yeah. seventeen, eighteen, maybe. What was your memories yeah. of JTR? My my first memory actually of JTR was him playing for Swansea against us. Do you remember yeah, Swan? Yeah. And he had an absolute stormer. Stormer. And then the whole club found <laughs> out he's from. Yeah. It was bad day. The whole club found out he's from. Yeah, he had Brownie in his pocket that day. He's actually from Portal. <laughs> and it's like, oh my God, why is he not playing for us? Yeah, that was my initial uh, of JTR. But then, yeah, I haven't actually publicly thanked him, but he, he saved my life in Ireland, didn't he, Joe? Yeah, that was a traumatic time, but uh, I, I was on the bus next to Dickie, and uh, next minute he was all pale, and I thought he was going to pass out, but uh, I saved him. I, I was this close to mouth to mouth, but that, they said that was very not necessary, but hey. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> no, I had, an, I, had an, I had an allergic reaction on the way home on the bus, and uh, Joe just we just kept on whispering in my ear and kissing me and stuff, which I thought was weird. But uh, you know, it worked. <laughs> I survived, and I'm here to tell a tale. Uh, yeah. Rowan, ben. you're still playing with JTR. Can you sum up JTR in three words, please? Uh, ooh, just the three. Uh, no, to be honest, with JTR is uh, just the three words. It's tough. Um, ruthless player, um, definitely uh, one of the leaders, and uh, he is um, one of the tallest ones of the team, to be honest. Um, makes a big effect when he plays. I'll be honest, you can't really think of many games where the opposition or the ref has had to, uh, had to hold JTR back because he can, he can make or break a game for us, really, as far as the opposition. Uh, he always seems to get a, get in their faces and uh, influence the game for us. Nice one, Brownie, I know JTR played obviously your position. Obviously, he played my position as well, so we can have a three-way here if you want, in a in a clean context. Uh, but what was your you know initial memories of, of of JTR coming in? What was the one thing you you thought about him as a player? Well, first of all, like oh, he's a top boy. Like you know what I mean. Um, on the, well, first of all, on the field, like he's a nightmare, obviously. But he's a, he's totally different dimension, really, to anything I've experienced in the past. When we played against Swansea, we tried kicking lumps out of him, like you know I mean, pulling his hair, winding him up, like he's just so quick over the ball. You know, it's a big learning curve for me as a player that day. To be honest, you know what I mean. It's something I never experienced in the Premiership. But um, you know he's a he's a great bloke on on and off the field. He could be a nightmare, obviously, for the opposition. But that's what he's all about. His um, fit attitude. He's got everything really. I remember he bought the best out of me really in Abraham because we're competing against each other all the time. You know what I mean? I can never have a week off training, but not training, but like outside Abraham because I knew on the Thursday and Tuesday in pre-season he'd be there at the front. Like I'd have to keep up with him. 
and just keep competing with him. So really, like we had some good battles over the years. You know what I mean? He's, um, yeah. and it just goes to show, captain of the club is phenomenal achievement, Joe. And congratulations on our pal. Yeah. Oh, nice one. Thanks, Brownie, mate. Brownie, you said that you know you learned a lot from him that day. What what did you learn in particular? You know, I know it's a long time ago. Don't get me wrong, but what did you learn? You said. Well, to be honest, you just I don't know. You you either got it or you haven't. Sometimes in it, do you know what I mean? Like Joe was quality. He was just um, young, full of attitude, and like I said, you know, it's all well and good. Like I would play with Tondi and Abraham, flying into people against that game, but like you just saw technically good over the ball and. You know, just a natural seven, really. He's probably the closest thing to a Pocock or Warburton I've probably played against. You know what I mean? I played against some quality sevens, but he's probably technically over the ball the best I've ever seen, really, played against them with, like. That's all right. Ukraine, Frank. Oh, she's just bad, aren't you? Ukraine, Frank. Swank's got upset. Oh, yeah. He swank thought that he was the best player Brownie's ever played with. <laughs> <laughs> no, no. Well, well like I said, as soon as, as soon as Joe came to the club, I had to be pushed back to eight. So that was the end of my side days. So, cheers, Joe. Sorry, sorry. Uh, Joe, I was getting into. Ah, uh, sorry, mate. What was your initial memories? You know, as you said, we've alluded to the the Swansea game. You coming in. Seventeen-year-old uh, coming to Aberavon, you know, what did you notice first of all, and how did you settle in really being the character that you are? Oh well, it was a uh, yeah, going to Swansea was a bit of a like oh, a bit gutted because I was close to Aberavon, but then in the end ended up with Aberavon. It was it was great. Yeah, it was a. I think it was. I came in when there was a turning point in in a bit of the coaching and everything. So I came in when Simon King was there. So it was a bit. I wasn't. I wasn't used to the style of coaching, but. It got, I learned a lot. Hey, JTR, what do you mean? It was just loud. It was loud. Not as technical as we got now. Now now we're really like... Cog! Cog! Yeah, Cog! Yeah, if boys came in now, I think... I think uh, who played when we were playing, when Simon, like all that was there. Just the whole game has changed now, so... It's just uh, I think we were coming through and it was changing at the time, so it was a bit of a bit of a weird one. Yeah, but it's good. The boy, the boys are so welcome, welcoming in there, except you, Swank. But hey, that was just the positions. Yeah, Swank, you were a nightmare. <laughs> <laughs> Evil. Yeah, well, uh, let's not get into that. The Chamber of Secrets. Oh. So another segment of our show is the Chamber of Secrets, where we have to indulge in one of the one of our one of our lives and try and find uh, a secret that nobody knows about us. But this question is only to to Nathan Brown. So Brownie, is there any secrets that you want to share? Have a think about it. So I'll tell you some of mine. I think I I like to sing. I like to do a bit of um, Zac Efron High School Musical stuff. So I, I just wanted to share a song which I. I, I I drive to work every morning, singing this song. Okay? <laughs> oh. Ready? No, I'm no. joking. Knock over. I'm not, I'm not doing it. Brody, let's go. Chamber of Secrets. Oh, I got a few, a few random, random secrets. I got a few naughty ones. You know what I mean? From the household material in the house, yeah, but I can't talk about them right now. 
But um, I got um, a bit of a ritual when uh, I put the cats out in the evening. I have. So what I do is I hang about for the missus to go to bed. I say, go on, babe, you carry on now. I'll put the cats out. She's probably, she still doesn't even know to this day. And then I dip my finger in the butter, chuck it in my gob, walk to the front door and spit it out then. And then the cat will run out. And then, so one of the cats will go out after the butter. And then there's a pack of arm in the fridge, eh? So I get another piece of arm, and chuck it in my gob, <laughs> spit out the back door for the other cat, eh? But I have been caught with the neighbours doing this, and they, not, they, they have had a few neighbours questioning what's going on, like. <laughs> <laughs> got I do the the dark, like. open the front door and ask the cats to get, get out. When he, I remember, yeah. I remember he, he, told, he told that story to me and Rowan on a bus. And, like, <laughs> do you remember, Rowan? And we were, like, literally, yeah. like, crying, laughing. Is that, like, could not... <laughs> Could not build it in. Yeah, Just so a bit of Brody, what, won't they leave? Won't they leave well, the house on their own? <laughs> to, to be honest, like, I started on a bad foot, really, and I, like, you know, because I opened the door now and I need to run to the fridge. Like, I grab one of them, chuck them out, and then the other one's out under the chair. So I, I feel like I've got to treat, treat them both with respect <laughs> and treat them both the same. Wow. So, happy That's days, nice. Brody, mate. That's a top secret, huh? That's right, about <laughs> some serious stuff. Um, COVID, which is what's going on at the moment, the pandemic, but let's talk about rugby and how that's affecting the place at the moment. Let's talk about the global calendar. What's your opinions? So I'll go to Dickie T. What's your opinions on a, a potential global calendar? Looking at starting in January, finishing in December, that type of thing. What's your opinions around that? Not just for the international game, but for the community game as well. Oh, I mean, there's, you know, there's lots of arguments, Swank, um, going on. And I think... I think what needs to become apparent is that the international and professional game is different to grassroots. It's different to amateur. Um, from a from a from a worldwide professional perspective, I think it'll be a great idea for for the amateur game in Wales. You know, not that not that uh, you know rugby owes anything to other sports, but you know you're, you're affecting then boys being able to play different sports and things in the summer. But saying that. There's so many games and things called off now at grassroots level from kids all the way up to seniors because the weather and things. I think it's something that, that, that yeah, we got to think about, you know. And um, yeah, I mean, I haven't really got a, a strong opinion on it yet because I haven't sort of had a look, had a real in-depth look at it. But um, yeah, I'm, sh I'm sure it's something that you know, if it's in the pipeline, it's definitely going to start uh, going to come into fruition. Rowan, you've looked at, um, sorry, Rowan, you're working in the club at the moment on, on the grass. Yeah. So, Dick, Dickie T's just alluded to the fact that weather postpones most of the games. What's your opinions on every club in Wales having an artificial pitch that everyone can share? Oh, I think, well, no, it's, I think it's quite common knowledge, really, eh, that the more, the more higher the level the game goes, uh, the more fierce it is. And it's definitely... Uh, it definitely shows that a lot of the major injuries which which the higher level players pick up are are usually knee, ankle, or whatever, and that's due to the 4G being uh, designed the way it is. It's you know a lot a lot of players do say once they come off a 4G pitch, they take a lot longer to recover and things. But well, personally, it's myself. I obviously play in the front row and things, and ankles, knees, etc. I feel a lot better after playing on a on a real on a real pitch than I do playing on an artificial pitch because 
there's just always that fear and artificial pitch that your foot is going to get trapped, you know, because that, that's usually a major, major factor to where injury occurs. So, yes, a real pitch all the way for me. What type of things are going on at the moment, Rowan, in, in the club? Uh, to be honest, to be fair to AVJ and things, he 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 stays on top of things. Uh, the summer usually at the club is pretty much the same, apart from the fact that obviously the social club isn't open for uh, for the public and things. But behind the scenes, the summer jobs are still going on, uh, pitch maintenance, ground maintenance, and turning it round and making sure it's ready to go when needs be. Brownie, how do you look at things now in terms of rugby? You've you've finished obviously playing. I think. I think you told me that you're going to start coaching with Tondi. How how does that all look for you? And and what what are you thinking about in terms of coaching? Yeah, um, change well, for you. Yeah, well, obviously devastated to retire from the club. You know what I mean with uh, the injury and all that. But uh, it was a bit of an harsh learning curve having a life without rugby. To be honest, I had to take a break from it completely. To be honest, because uh, trying to get straight back into coaching wasn't right at the time for me. So. Started coaching Tondi in the 16s last year. Um, I've just seen the transformation in the kids, really, with um, a bit of guidance from someone who's quite relative, you know what I mean? Being being a youngster myself, obviously, you know, it's a fine line being a coach and a player, but, like, that's the hardest learning curve I've had is coaching's completely different to playing. You know, I still want to be playing. Not everyone's got the same attitude that I got, and especially in the younger generation. A lot of them... Just turn up and think he can play, which obviously isn't the moral as I built my career on. Like, do you know what I mean? So uh, that's the hardest thing I'm finding. But I'm coaching on the youth next year, which I'm excited to do. Obviously, um, you know, it's way, it's way off at the minute, but hopefully we get some sense out of the way we go in with uh, the start of the season. But, you know, I, I just love it. I do, but just giving something to the boys. The main thing I love is just that... Um, a feeling of being involved in something together, like, do you know what I mean? Getting all the boys in. I can give so much to the youngsters just to bring them on. I think confidence. They're just learning day by day. You know, coaching's obviously, um, you know, you're just constantly learning. You know what I mean? I'm looking forward to doing level two, level three now. I speak to Jason if I need any help and stuff like that, you know. So I've I got loads of people around me to help me. But, um, yeah, I, I do really enjoy Dickie, it. what about I, you? I, have you? Are you coaching at the moment, Dick? Are you... Oh, yeah, I um, when at the when I left Swansea, I, I went back to Tinganich obviously as a as a player coach for a season and a half. And um, you were found in the game. Yeah, I, I didn't I didn't enjoy the player coaching side of it. I'll be honest with you, Swag. It's just you know trying to do too many things and you know and and sort of the admin side of the coaching. I I I, I couldn't commit to that, you know. And uh, at the time in the club, you know, we were a Division One club similar to Ton D, you know, and. Just finding the feet and getting a squad back together. So this year now I've just gone back to playing and and uh, I'm still enjoying playing. You know, I, I was sort of I'm in an hour and about finishing the end of the season, but with the um, with this break now and all the nostalgia of reading old programs, like I said, I think there's still a little bit of fire left. And uh, you know, I probably probably play again whenever that you know again whenever that is. Um, so yeah, it'll just you know, playing and then. I might take a break and then hopefully go into coaching later. I, I, I've done my level one, level two. Um, and it's something I, I think I'd like to get involved with, maybe, you know, with with one of the, you know, an age grade side or something like that. Um, just getting boys, you know, numbers in, you know, because I think well, a lot of the grassroots clubs, coaches and things are struggling because the, the numbers aren't great for training. And 
as a coach, you just really want numbers to be able to coach. You know, the end product is obviously winning on a Saturday, but if, if you're looking at any sort of coach development, you need like, you know, I, I think like youngsters and, um, and and some good numbers and training and things like that. So yeah, something like that perhaps, yeah. Yeah, I understand what you're saying because it's, a, it's real difficult to try and engage with a lot of youngsters to play rugby. Uh, Buddha's having the same problems at the moment. He's coaching Carmarthen, and that's all he's doing. He's on the phone all the time, trying to get people yeah, training. It's a nightmare. It's absolutely. It's like oh, I, I, yeah. I was, like, I was like, I was like a, I was like a psychologist most of the time. You know, just getting, getting boys mentally prepared, or begging them to come training, or begging them to play. And it was just, uh, you know, I, I couldn't be dealing with that. You know. Yeah. Obviously, coming from like semi-professional environments where you're used to training and preparing all week, you know, Tuesday, Thursday, Saturday, everyone did it, you know. But I think down at, at grassroots level now, you know, the, the majority of clubs will probably have whatever they have on a Tuesday. Thursday, they try and get as many there and then play on a Saturday. It's, it's, grassroots is mostly now about if you've got the 15 best players, you, you'll win games and win leagues, you know. But yeah, hopefully now um, people have had the shock correction, eh? Yeah, I I I think it could work, work one or two ways though this this yeah. break. I think it could it could make clubs it, it could apps it could break clubs. You know, you've got a club like Ton D, you know, Ton D you've all, you know, they're they're the main club in that area. Strong, you know, think, strong. Yeah, you look at areas like Patalbert and Clashley and Neath, there's too many rugby clubs. There's too many rugby clubs yeah. for the amount of, of players there are, you know. And from a I'm yeah, obviously a, a, a primary school teacher, yeah. so I'm speaking of the kids in school and you might have the kids in year three all play for you know Bryn Koch for example all the kids in year four play for Tona all the kids in year five play for Kimla and then all the kids in year six play for a different club well all those clubs have got our first teams but they haven't even got any any sort of there's not many numbers underneath that you know so that then is affecting first team numbers youth numbers and yeah it's I, I don't know I don't know how it's it's it's, it's um it's definitely a time where there's going to be a break will will definitely make or break certain certain rugby clubs in Wales. You know, financially, it's it. Yeah. It's it. A lot of clubs hard. I know you. You're a teacher, mate. I know that, and we're talking about generation. What we are now, generation X, Z, Y. I'm not too sure. Are, are we not engaging enough, really, with these children in the, in a rugby sense? Um, you know, are we not adapting how coaching should look like with the children so that they enjoy, so that they stay because there's so much options now for children to play different things at different other sports yeah i don't know i don't know so i mean you know when i was in when i was in school you know uh you know i'm going back to comprehensive school you either played rugby or football you know and in year seven yeah. you'd have two sides or three sides you know i think now you know looking at comprehensive school numbers across you know i'm, I'm just picking this up in the air there's certain most schools are having sort of combined ages, you know. So there's less players playing, you know. What is what it is? I think, like you said there, no. There's 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 a, a generation now of 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 young people who have got different interests, you know. There's computers. There's I I I, I don't know I don't know everything what whatever their interests are, but they're in, they're, a lot of them aren't interested in rugby, football, or or in sport in general. You know, there's there's so many different things out there. Whereas you know. I grew up in a generation where you either played rugby or football, and it depended on the school. It predominantly rugby in South Wales, you know. But yeah, yeah. it's it's, it's, well, uh, I think it's a difficult one because you can't play. Do I think they need to do a bit more around uh, the gamification of, of training sessions and stuff. I think kids are so indulged in like Call of Duty, Fortnite. So I think they should start making their training sessions look like that as well. 
levels and and uh, you know medals and, and, and special powers. Yeah, I think nice. you'd engage children much much more. <laughs> Are you what? Yeah, you would. That's a great idea, actually. Yeah. Level up. Yeah. You're on level one at the moment. You're on level two. You need to be yeah, the bad yeah, the boss at the, the end and stuff like that. So. Yeah, yeah. I think they've got a good system going. They're uh, they've got they've got a good system going. They've got I think they've got nearly all teams up to age sixteen with a massive yeah. focus in trying to get the community involved. There's yeah. a good good team there. They're yeah. doing really yeah. well. Who's the sirens for, Brownie? Hmm? Yeah, <laughs> that's for me actually. I better go. <laughs> no, I, I don't think you could. I don't think you can blame anyone. You know, you can't blame the kids. You can't blame parents. You can't blame coaches. You can't blame rugby clubs. It's just a bit of a. Oh, I I don't know. You know. Generation. Yeah, it's a generation. It's not grassroots. Yeah, it's, it's not. Yeah, it's just one of those things that's happening at the, at the minute, really. You know, and, and and I think football's in the same same situation. I was speaking to a a, a guy that's you know, ten fifteen years ago in Swansea, they used to have five or six. Um, football football leagues on a Saturday, and you'd have the same seven or eight leagues on a Sunday. Now they're down to about two or three. You know, it's just I don't know. There's there's yeah, there's less there's less. I'm not, I'm not I'm not blaming anybody really. I, what, what I was suggesting then wasn't a blame type of culture. It was more: Are we moving with times, or, or is rugby standing still? Uh, and I'm, you know, we're just getting run over at the moment. I think rugby. I think we need to move with the times. What what does that look like? I haven't got the answers, of course, but. Are we changing? Are we adapting with the times, with the generation? I, I, again, but I, I'll leave that there. I'm going to close off now, lads. Uh, but I'm going to ask JTR a couple more questions about this season coming up, whenever that is. You know, what what, what are we looking like? Um, what was the feelings really emptying out from last season? Semi-final to play against Merthyr. <clears throat> Probably in a bit of a league battle with, with Cardiff, Commander Quinns and Clendovery. Um, you know, what was your thoughts? Feelings around oh, I think, the season uh, abruptly ending. Yeah, well, the end. I think I think the whole squad. We were in a really good position. I think the the energy in the squad and the belief we have that when we come ac come across any other team is really strong. So it, to this to be cut gone like that so fast, it was really. But I think it was really hard. But uh, we were pretty much the same squad for next year. So if, if we carry on the attitude we have and the training we have, I think we'll we'll be fine. I think we're just going to crack on with it then. It's gut. It is a real shame we couldn't get to the uh, semi-finals. Uh, that was that was gutting. But uh, I think we just got to get on with it. It's a new new season coming up, and I think we just crack on with it. Work as hard as we can, and uh, focus on that. Excellent, JTR. I'm looking forward to July the third to see you with a new hairstyle, all that hair coming off. So again, just to reiterate, <laughs> yeah. you're shaving off your hair for. MPT Mind, which is a mental health charity. Uh, we'll, we'll get that out there yeah. on social media, etc., to try and That's raise a bit of money for them. So, excellent work. Yeah, well fantastic. done, mate. And boys, thank All good you so well, boys. much for logging on to the cold run. Uh, hope you enjoyed and hope your families are well and stay safe. So, yeah. Jock and Val. Thank you very much, man. You too, Chris. Cheers, boys. Stay safe, boys. Be part of the magic. Jock, boys. The Cauldron Podcast by Aberavon Rugby Club. Produced by Buffoon Media.